Hi, you're listening to my mom, Kat Lee, on the Inspired to Action podcast. Hey, can I listen to it? Hey, my name is Kat Lee, and I want to welcome you to the Inspired to Action podcast. I hope this show is the pep talk that you need as a mom, a reminder that what you do every day is life-changing, and it matters more deeply than you could ever imagine. Out of all the women in the world, God chose you to be the mother of your children because you are special and amazing and he has called you and he will equip you. So thank you for serving your family, for loving your children fearlessly and for fighting to be a great mom. This episode is for you. Let's jump right in. Hey friends, this is Kat Lee, and today we're talking with Lisa Pulliam about preparing our children for the teen years, and if we're honest, preparing ourselves for the teen years. Lisa and I are going to talk about how parenting teens and tweens can be done differently but fairly, and we're also going to talk about the importance of paying attention to the state of our child's heart, which is huge as we approach the teenage years. We'll also discuss the idea of having transparent conversations and keeping those conversational lines open throughout the teenage years. But before we dive into our chat today with Lisa, I want to say a huge thank you to our show sponsor, Plan to Eat. Plan to Eat is an online menu planning site, and it makes recipe management, menu planning, and shopping list making a breeze because all you need to do is enter your recipes in and you can just click a little button in your browser and it automatically imports recipes. Then you just drag them to the calendar page that they have and it automatically will make your shopping list. It is so easy and I've used them. I've been a paid user of Plan to Eat for many, many years and I really love them as as a business, as their app, um, but also just as a sponsor. They've been walked with such integrity and they're just run really well as a business and I know they're going to be a blessing to you in the whole process of getting your food to the table in an easy and stress-free way. So definitely go check them out. Just go to plantoeat.com forward slash inspired to action and you can get a free 30-day trial. So I encourage you to go and give Plan to Eat a try. Now let's jump into our show today with Lisa Pulliam. Hey, Lisa, how are you doing today? Hey, Kat, I'm good. How are you? I am doing very well. I'm glad you're on the show today. I have loved every episode of the podcast that we have done together because you just have so much good information, so much good wisdom, and a lot of experience, being that you are a life coach and you've written so much about the topics of mentoring and just really growing as a person. I just feel like every time we do one of these podcasts, the listeners get so much really practical, valuable information. And so I'm thrilled to have you back on the show today. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here. I love being able to connect with you. It's To me, it's like we're having a phone call and she have a cup of coffee in hand. And I'm drinking water because I'm focusing on fitness these days. But, but you know, just it just feels like I'm connecting with a friend. And I imagine your listeners sort of sitting there with us and in, in a circle in a living room chatting and growing from each other and encouraging each other. So that's, that's my desire. Well, I'm sure they feel that way too. But today, I think it's going to feel a little bit like I'm hogging the conversation because... Um, I am really excited to chat with you today about parenting teens. So I know some of you listening probably have kids that are teenagers 
or that are approaching the teenage years, because all children (laughs) are approaching the teenage years. But I'm right in the thick of it. I have a 13-year-old. I have an 11-year-old who I think may believe that she is a teenager. Um, And so just it just feels like a big thing. And I'm excited to learn some of what you've learned in your journey and hopefully share it with those of you listening. So hopefully we're all just sitting around here on our couches or chairs or however you're listening, sipping coffee, having some girl chat, and gleaning from some of the wisdom that Lisa has learned over the years. Uh, But before we get into all of that teen talk, I would love for those who have not heard you before, and if that's you listening, go back and listen to the old episodes with Lisa Pulliam because it is all amazingly good stuff. Uh, But Lisa, would you just just introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. I'm happy to. So I'm Lisa Pulliam. You'll see me in print with an E. I, I am getting to the place of saying it's silent because it's <laughs> a representative of my past and I'm not um, part of what what God is doing in me and the transformation he's accomplished in me. So there's a story behind that. Um, you can find it on my website and my book that it's releasing in December. It's released in December, depending on when you hear this. But um, I am a woman who is in on a journey of transformation, and that transformation has really happened under the pressure of motherhood mm. and uh, living 18 years in a boarding school environment. So there's nothing like interacting with teenagers and in a close-knit community for to help you realize your stuff. And, and it was great fertile ground for me in those 18 years. Long before I had my own teens, I was responsible for um, implementing rules and mentoring and engaging with teens. So I took a lot of notes mentally of what works and what doesn't work and what do I need to do on this parenting journey so that my kids don't turn out like me. Uh, it, it was kind of my motivation. And so my husband, Stephen, and I, we've been married 19 years our oldest daughter is 16. We have a 14-year-old who we joke in our family in a very loving way that she's an old soul. So there's there's Abby and there's her inner Betsy. And <laughs> <laughs> depending upon the moment, you, you have to adjust your reaction based on who you're dealing with. And um, all of our other children have their inner soul nicknames too. We have uh, their old soul nicknames. And then I have twins who are 10. And each of my children are very, very different from each other. So there's no set blueprint I have found in parenting. But uh, between working with teens for so many years and then parenting my own, sort of an overarching vision as a mom um, has influenced the way I approach what I do with my kids. What is that overarching vision? I think I really look for them to own their responsibilities, own their decisions, and own their faith, uh, and to think about how their actions, decisions, behaviors today, if magnified, would impact their life in the future. So their relationships, their mothering, their role with a husband or a wife, their involvement in a church community or school community or a job. Like I it's sort of my natural bent to just think long-term. But there, there was one situation that happened um, many, many years ago. I was running a girl's dorm. So I had 20 teenage girls from the ages of 14 up to 18 from around the world. So these weren't just American kids. They also weren't just affluent kids. They were came from a broad 
range of family backgrounds. Some were Christians, some were non-Christians, but they're this group of 20 teenage girls. And my daughters, my older daughters at the time were four and two, barely two. And my four-year-old was a classic people pleaser. And so she would just do whatever you asked her to do. But my two-year-old is what I call a strong leader type. And started pitching her fits before she could even walk. Like it only took her to the point of being able to stand up to figure out how to throw herself on the floor in a fit. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember standing there with my husband and with her older sister, and we all kind of looked at each other and said, what is she doing? And where did she learn it? And then, you know, fast, fast forward to that evening and I'm out in the dorm with one of the teenage girls and she's pitching the same fit. But she's just not on the floor having that fit. She's she's now having a verbal fit and the fits in her heart. And I thought, there is nothing difference between you and my two-year-old right now, except the way your fit is manifesting. It's a heart issue. And and what will it take to cultivate in my children a heart that is pleasing to the Lord compared to trying to teach that to a 16-year-old who hasn't had that foundational training. Uh, And so that really is kind of where my overarching vision for motherhood came from, that Mm -hmm. I look at the situation and think, what is the state of their heart? And uh uh-oh, what's the state of mine? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because that's half the problem. So then let's start with one question. Um, How did you prepare, you know, actually... Let's start with the the second question. So how did you deal with those teenagers who weren't raised with the foundation? How did you impact them and influence them with that vision? That was really hard, Um, especially because I was young and didn't have years of experience under my belt parenting or even living as a Christian at that point. I was a baby Christian. I came to faith in college. Uh, So I would say to them, I hear you. I love you. I'm committed to your best. But the answer is no. If you want to change your response to me, we can talk about this. But in this heat of the moment, we're not having this conversation. Mm. Uh, And so that is so much easier to do when it's not your own flesh. (laughs) Right. You know, I I have those teenagers now and it, you have history when they're, it's your own kids. You have history under, under the, bridge or water under the bridge, I guess would be the right expression. And so you're never really just dealing with the moment. You're kind of dealing with all the history up until that moment. And it makes that point of engagement much harder. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then for, for your own children, how Mm -hmm. did, what, what did you do to prepare them for these teenage years? It, for me, I was always very transparent and I, in every conversation. And I think that was a result of my personality. I'm kind of a heart on your sleeve person. I've learned discernment over the years. Not everything I feel needs to be said in the moment. Um, But I had heard some wisdom, probably through a Focus on the Family podcast years ago, which is to answer their questions as they ask them with honesty and integrity. And so I was constantly looking for the questions that they were asking and having that conversation about relationships and sex and drugs and alcohol and lying and cheating and integrity and whatever it is, 
as my as my kids notice something, say on television or in our in our community, because they were living with teenagers uh, or something that they maybe heard at church or in passing from family members, I would try to seize the moment to teach a biblical principle on the go. So it makes me think of that passage from Deuteronomy where the Lord tells us whether you're, you're standing or sitting or, or rising in the morning or at the end of the night, kind of be teaching a biblical worldview on the go. Uh, so that, that was, there's a one situation where <laughs> my, my daughter got this idea that she wanted to start having a quiet time. And I think she was probably six at the time because she was able to read and she, she came downstairs and she said, Daddy said I should come talk to you about this. And she was at the passage of Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot and his children. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, did Daddy really say you should talk to me about this? I said, well, let's talk about it. And man, I talked about it with her. I kind of gave her the play-by-play about the purity of God that God wants us to have and the type of uh, sexual relationships we're supposed to have and the consequences when that happens outside of God's designed for us and we talked about it and and I said do you have any questions and she goes no I don't have any questions I said okay and I shut my mouth and we moved on from there but then you know a year or two later she's like oh is that like that situation that you were telling me about from Sodom and Gomorrah and I was like yeah that's that's like that situation and we built the conversation then to the next level Mm, that's good so what about the parent of the tween or maybe teen who wants to have those conversations but doesn't know how to do it naturally or they get the eye roll when oh. they start to have those conversations? Well, I think, let me let me say this to all mamas out there. The eye roll is never about you. It's never about you. It's about their own uncomfortableness. It's about their own insecurities and their fears. And I, uh, trust me, we deal with eye rolls in my family and I'm, and it, it's a struggle because it feels so personal, uh, but it's not. And I have to remind myself to move past the reaction and come alongside and try to develop relationship at a deeper level with them. And I find that that's different with each of my kids. So my oldest is a chatterbox. She walks in the door and her mouth is moving before she gets... <laughs> through it and I hear every single play-by-play of everything always all the time I can count on one hand the number of times she's withheld information from me and it was because she knew that what she had done was something she probably shouldn't have done and was afraid of of the reaction which is ironic because usually the reaction at that point is not all that she thought it would be and it's just her own sense of personal disappointment Hmm. My middle one is not a talker at all. And her connecting point is touch, uh, cuddle. She has been my cuddle girl since she was born. And she needs space to be in the crook of my arm and sometimes not talking at all. But that connection uh, builds her confidence in our the intimacy of our relationship and can open a door to a conversation much, much better than if I tried to talk to her about something. That's fascinating because that ex- sounds exactly like my two girls. My oldest yeah. uh, will tell me all the details 
And my younger girl, I found that bedtime is the greatest time to get her to talk. We just lay in bed and I'll just, you know, after I pray for her, I'll just, you know, we'll just lay there for a minute and I'll just give her hugs. And then, you know, I might ask her about her day or sometimes she'll just start talking and telling me about stuff. Mm-hmm. And But otherwise she's not particularly talkative. So that's that's fascinating. I wonder if that's a happenstance or a birth order thing uh, because she's all my my second um, daughter is also an old soul, although we haven't named her Betsy. But. <laughs> <laughs> Betsy's taken. You'll have to find another name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's birth order or per, I've done a lot of research and work with personality types, and um, I, I think that plays into it. I don't know if the birth order piece influences the personality type or the personality type is a component of separate from that. Mm-hmm. But, but it changes parenting because with Leah, we're our oldest, we're much more afraid to give her permission to do things, not because she's the oldest, but because she, she's transparent and she will, um, she's a very tight rule follower. So if she's in an uncomfortable situation as a teenager, she'll call us and tell us like, she'd be the first to admit it. My, my middle daughter is very independent and very capable. She can run the country hands down. I would mm-hmm. trust her with my house, my home, and everybody's child under the sun, uh, except for the fact that she's so capable that sometimes she gets herself in over her head mm. and doesn't know when to ask for help or seek the counsel of the wise. So in terms of giving her the same exact privileges that say we give our oldest, it's going to be different because the communication is different. And and we've told the girls, like, we are going to parent you fairly by parenting you as you need the best parenting. And, and that may look different for both of them. That is just... Um... That's key. I'm, I'm writing, writing that down <laughs> as we're talking. But I love the way that you said that because for everybody listening who has two children that are somewhat close in age of the same gender, they probably hear that word fair a whole lot. Yeah. And to our kids, that means exactly the same. Fair yes. means exactly the same to the day, minute, and hour. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love the way you said that, that we're going to parent you fairly by parenting specifically to who you are. Yes, yes. And I've been honest with with our middle as she is moving from 13 to 14 and so on. And I said to her very recently, we want to give you as many privileges as you've demonstrated responsibility to have. But that means you're going to have to talk to us about things that you think are unimportant to relay. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to communicate to us about details that you think, well, mom can't do anything about it. What's the point of telling her? Like, I need to know the pressures that you're struggling with, with schoolwork and with your, your peer group. And personally, in order to be able to wisely counsel and equip you to be independent. And otherwise it, I may, I may unknowingly put you in a situation that you're you are perceived to be capable to handle that you're not really because I don't know about the struggles you've had up until that point. Mm-hmm. So what I, one thing that I'm, I'm just hearing so much of is just the power of communication when it comes to parenting teens mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. keeping those doors of communication op- open. And part of that is understanding the personalities 
and needs of each one of our individual children. I think is key. And I would also, as you were saying that, communication, if it's open from the beginning, if you're if your children are young and you're developing that open communication, even if it's not natural for you, if even if you're not a talker, my husband's not a talker. I, I dominate the conversation. But I've had to learn at times to be quiet, to give him space to speak to the kids. And also he's had to learn how to move kind of beyond his I don't really know what to say to this and and start asking questions just to keep the conversation going mm-hmm. and let them know that he's engaged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he could be in the same room while we're all talking and listening, but it may not appear that he's listening because he's not participating. So he's had to kind of overcompensate in the areas in which he's like, I just don't know how to have that conversation that's so easy for you by, by, looking for ways to affirm the girls and and our son or engage in a conversation about something that starts with a question rather than a telling. Mm-hmm. And so for, for the moms listening that are of that same sort of personality type, I guess it would come down to, to two things, really, is asking the questions. And then if you still can't think of anything to ask, you can just repeat back what you're hearing your child say. Right. And and that's, you know, that's another way to communicate. Maybe you're not sharing anything new and you're not asking some really creative question, but you're affirming them. And the fact that you're listening to them, I think, can go probably even so much farther than sharing some wise, sage thing right. with your child. There's a great example of parenting uh, in the scriptures between um, Moses and uh uh, Jethro, I got to bring Claude there, Moses and Jethro, where Jethro comes in and sees what Moses is doing and prepares to teach him how to do, handle it differently. But he he holds back, it in the way I read the scriptures, he holds back and asks questions first and affirms him. Mm-hmm. And then because the relationship is there and the trust is built, I love the way Moses just heeds everything that Jethro has to say and puts it into action. I mean, it was it was such an aha for me in parenting and in mentoring and even in life coaching. Um, you know, I wrote about it in Meet the New You. It's in the last chapter because I feel like it is so key to how to engage with people in a way that earns their respect and um, we can use the wisdom God has given us as parents, in particular with our children. And so- you know, here's a here's a free tip. Take this and run with it, mamas. Don't use the why question. Why puts a person on defensive? Why are you wearing that out of the house? Hmm. Why didn't you do your homework? Why did you get a zero? Why did you forget your lunch? Why, 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 why? Well, you might as well just put them in front of, you know, a courtroom and ask them to defend themselves. Like it's it's a terrible parenting technique that we in our own flesh are going to use because mm-hmm. we want to know what happened so we can fix this. But if you approach it from a different perspective of saying, so I see you got a zero on your quiz. Want to tell me about that? Hmm. Or, hey, I noticed you forgot your lunch today. That's a bummer. And then let them own it. Yeah, it was a bummer. I was really hungry. And then, well, what can I do to help you remember your lunch? Or put it back in their hands. What can you do differently so that it doesn't happen again? I like that. And that leads into your overall vision of helping your children own their responsibility. Right. 
Right. And I think there's something that came to mind before in one of the earlier questions. Part of the breakdown in our relationship with our kids is our own sin. Mm-hmm. And the things that we've said in anger or done in anger or done in insecurity or in fear, you know, fear drives parenting in a terrible way. And and so there's a breakdown of trust and there's a breakdown of respect. And so there, I don't know a single mom on this planet who does it perfectly. There, We all have areas of weakness in our parenting because we all have area areas of weakness in our personal lives. But being repentant before our children and before God can restore those broken ties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I think this really plays in well with um, your new book. And, you, you know, for everybody listening, I really I want to say this. When I started the call with Lisa today, we were talking about really what could we talk about that would be most helpful for you all. And um, she was like, you know, I know I have this new book coming out, but I really, I really feel like I've learned some things about parenting teens. And I really want to, I really want to help them with that. And I think that it would really be a blessing to them. And I just think that speaks so much to her integrity that her overall goal is just to help you guys and not just talk about her new book. But I think providentially, it really leads into this because especially when our kids hit the teen years, they're like little adults and we talk to them differently and they see through us a little bit more. And it becomes that much more important that we are really um, comfortable with ourselves and where we're at and where we're going. Mm -hmm. And especially as we're, you know, 2016, new year, people wanting to make some changes in their lives. And you've written this book called Meet the New You. And it's it's really based on a lot of your experience as a life coach and mentoring and helping people walk through transition and change in their lives. Um, how can this help a mom? Oh, yeah. So this is the book that I didn't ever know I was going to write. I didn't have a dream to write the book, but In my notes, if you go past into my computer files, you'll find that I drafted the proposal of it almost 10 years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I had no idea because the idea, the title of the book and the idea of the book came from my agents. It did not come from me. Uh, And I actually cried about it when they first pitched it to me because I wanted to write a book about mentoring teens, basically. (laughs) And so um, I ended up writing this book because of a book that I read years ago by Anne Ortland called Disciplines of a Beautiful Woman. And that book became like a handbook to me of how to get my heart right before God, how to live intentionally, how to pay attention to discipling my children, how to engage in growth of scripture. And it all happened around the same time that I went through a a pretty dramatic healing transformation with the Lord where, and I write about this in the book, so I, I won't give this part too much time, but just my anger was a dominating factor in ruining my relationships with my husband and with my children. And no matter how hard I was trying to be the mom and (laughs) be the wife and be the friend and be the church lady and whatever it was I was trying to be, there was this um, undermining piece of my anger. And by God's grace, he got me into counseling and I dealt with the root issues that were stored up from 
my childhood, the dysfunctions that I experienced growing up, the hurt that I brought upon myself sometimes, the shame I had from decisions that I had made, and then realizing as a believer, like, whoa, that was really bad. I thought it was bad then, but now it was really bad, and not really knowing how to process it. And so between Disciplines of a Beautiful Woman and the process of counseling, God really got a hold of my heart in my early 30s, and I'm now in my early 40s. And I began to put into action uh, what I call the trap and transform principle, which I think is key, the key to life and key to parenting. So the trap comes from 2 Corinthians 10.5, which is to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And the transform is Romans 12.2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And if you continue with that verse, so that you will not conform to the patterns of this world. Well, what are we trying to do when we're parenting our kids? We want them to conform to the patterns that God has set and not to the patterns of this world. And so through the trap and transform approach, I learned how to take all the hurt, all the shame, the guilt, the lies that I believed and reconcile my past before God. But I also learned the skill of living with that every single day. So when my daughter rolls her eyes at me because she's frustrated that I told her no, that she can't go to the mall with friends, I have to think to myself, okay, she's rolling her eyes at me. Lord, what do you have to say about this? And what does the Lord have to say about it? He probably has to say, she's rolling her eyes. She's a sinner saved by grace. She's flesh. It's her flesh response. She's not getting what she wants. It's not about you. I've called you to parent her. And if you believe that this is a wise decision, then walk in that wise decision with humility, with kindness, with compassion, with gentleness, and and parent her. Mm, That's good. So the book is a is trap and transform with a life coaching approach so it helps you figure out where are you today what's what's happened in your life leading up to this moment what's going on in your world what are your priorities how are you using your time and then it moves into assessment which is who are you like how has god wired you as a mama as a woman as his child are you an introvert or an extrovert do you crash on the couch to take a nap when your kids go down for their nap because you're overstimulated by all the time with them, instead of feeling guilty about that nap, you can now walk away and saying, hey, this is how God made me. And this is how I take care of myself to be a better mom. That is so key right there. Right? I mm-hmm. mean, we need to know who we are and how God wired us, both strengths and weaknesses. So there's two chapters on that and uh, suggestions of how to figure out your personality and your learning style, and your spiritual gifts using resources that are are freely accessible to you online. And then we deal with obstacles. What's standing in the way of becoming that woman God intended us to be? And I mean, we have a whole book on obstacles. There's five. So (laughs) we, we deal with those five, you know, the inability to say no and the dealing with forgiveness piece. And then we move into solutions. So kind of some time management ideas followed with vision, the last chapter. But my whole heart for this book is that it won't just be a personal self-absorbed self-help journey, but that women will begin to realize that when they're transformed, their impact on the next generation is insanely powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes me think about that whole, you know, the airplane routine 
where in case of an emergency, you have to put that ear mask on yourself before helping anyone else. Um, And it's just so crucial. Okay, so I I have to pull out a sports analogy somewhere in in every podcast. Love that. So my family were Baylor University fans, and um, we started out the year awesome, like, destined to go to or at least be in the running for the national championship and then our quarterback got hurt so then we had this incredible freshman quarterback in and then he got hurt then we had this third string quarterback who was actually a receiver and they had to move him into the quarterback spot and he won a really big game for us and he was doing great and this last week he got hurt in the game So they had to pull out this guy who hadn't played quarterback since his junior year of high school. And he currently, I think, was also a wide receiver or something like that. Um, Anyway, and he he did great. In case his mama is listening, he did great. But it just showed me how important it is to have a great quarterback. Because no matter, you know, there are a whole bunch of people on a football team, I guess 22, something like that, um, you know, plus backups and everything. But we lost one person or one spot over and over and over again, and it completely impacted the entire football team. Mm-hmm. And as a mom, I think we're kind of quarterbacks in our family. <sighs> yes. And yes. how, you know, however well we're doing, however far we've gone, um, make plays a big part. It's not the determining factor because God can do more than we could ever do. And what he is doing is a lot more powerful than what we're not doing. But it's so important for us to get our stuff together and for us to pursue excellence and to grow so that then we can help our kids because it's going to make a lot more of an impact than if we just focus on our kids. Yeah. I, I totally agree on a number of levels. And I love the sports analogy because my my daughter and my husband are totally into sports like that. But, it, you know, it makes me think of a, the headmaster at the school years ago used to say, as goes the seniors, so goes the school. Mm. And so we adapted that to our family. I go, as goes the mama, so goes the family. <laughs> <laughs> and not to undermine the value of fathers. They are they are key. As goes the fathers, so goes the family. I think we carry equal weight in that. But because as moms, we tend to care about the nurturing of our kids' hearts and we're dealing with the, typically with the ins and the outs of their schedules, mm-hmm. there's the our temperaments are going to be more easily triggered. Our responses are going to be more noticed. Our interactions are going to be evaluated at a different level. And I, th- my goal as a mom is not that my children will think that they can grow up and do it perfectly, whatever it is that God calls them to do, but that they would see that by God's grace and power, there's always a heavenly father to return to. He is always faithful to provide the, the needs of the heart and that there's always forgiveness and always an opportunity for redemption. And they, they've seen that in my life. I mean, mm-hmm. my older girls remember who I was when they were little. And I, my husband think that they'll probably need counseling at some point <laughs> to deal with some of the issues that took root in their mindset about me, mm-hmm. because sometimes their reactions today are disproportionate to reality. And that's because they remember when mom used to lose it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not losing it over something right now, but they're acting as though I am. I'm like, girls, girls, are you dealing with me today or 10 years ago? 
And they're like, oh, right, right, right. Yeah, okay. Uh, and when I do react differently to something, when then, then it's at those times that all four of the kids will say, wow, mom, God really changed you. Mm, that's powerful. It's huge. I think that's the hope that moms need to have is that they don't need to have arrived. They need to model transformation. Mm. So you have given yourself a vision for who you want to be. Mm -hmm. And you're also working to do that in the lives of your teenagers. Yes. Um, How do you do that? How do you help them to get a vision for their lives? Because especially in our culture, the teenage years are so, I don't even know what the word is, so self-absorbed, so um, belly button gazing, you know, not really thinking about long term, not thinking about the bigger things of life. So how do you go against the flow? Well, I'd love to share about this in two different ways. One in relationships, like the dating piece, and the other in pursuing uh, college and career. Because they're two different areas, but I think they're both probably the hot topics for moms. And so for for the dating piece in brief, one thing that we've done with our girls, um, and I keep on referring to our girls because my son's only 10. So we're st- he's getting, he and his twin sister are getting the overflow of what we're doing with the girls. They're watching and they're learning through the process, but it's, it's more intentional with the older ones. That we have said to them, if you want to be in a dating relationship, you you really like somebody and they really like you and you're, you want to move forward with this, we need to get to know them. They need to have dinner with us. They need to spend time with us. And and that's worked out really well, especially with our oldest who did have a dating relationship. And and then a question that we would constantly pitch at her was, if this relationship doesn't work, is this thing that you want to do something that you'll regret? Hmm. Are you are you willing to give this gift away? Whether it was an opportunity to um go somewhere or do something or share a part of her heart or even the physical component. So we talk about that a lot sexually. Like what is, I use an example of a Hershey kiss when I talk with teens. (laughs) And if you work with youth groups, use this one. It's fabulous. Uh, you, You give them a Hershey kiss and you say, here, you know, you've got your perfect someone right there. Open it up and take a bite of that kiss. Go ahead and put that in your mouth. And then they're all chit-chatting and opening up. And then I say, okay, stop. Put the Hershey kiss back in the wrapper and wrap it back up. And then pass it to your neighbor. And, oh, you can imagine. Like, they're like, wow, that's terrible. I was like, that's dating. So how much are you going to give away and how much are you going to consume emotionally and physically? Because both of those components weigh heavily on the heart. Mm -hmm. And so giving them some tangible ways to think about the choices that they're making in their relationships. And for our older daughter, we were okay with her entering into a dating relationship because she was so open with us and sought our counsel continually. And that relationship was an opportunity for her to kind of grow and be stretched in areas of growing compassion and uh, servanthood and um just learning how to show respect and boundaries. Like it, there were a lot of life lessons in it, even with the broken heart that came at the very end of it. And, and, and the choice to trust God with that broken heart and heal from it. 
our our middle one, it's going to be a totally different set of circumstances because we're we're in a different place, we're in a different location, we're in a different season of life with her and how she communicates about relationships may not be as transparent as the older one. And so it will be a little bit different of a flavor. And I think that with teens, having having visionary rules rather than black and white rules mm-hmm. is way more effective. I like that visionary rules. And that kind of goes back to what you're talking about earlier, about yeah. just consistently communicating to our kids that we want to parent them fairly, even if it looks differently. And so uh, that name of calling it visionary rules, yeah. I think that that really encapsulates that concept. I think I think so too. And I've actually not used that expression before. So let's give the Lord the credit for it because it, you know I'm still in process parenting, but we're seeing fruit. And so I feel like if there's good fruit, let me share that good fruit. Um, and so the other thing that we're going through with our older daughter, she's starting in this college selection process. And boy, I don't even get me started on education in America and the cost of education. But but we have a we don't have a lot of financial resources. We're not going to be able to pay her college bills in full. She doesn't have the luxury of saying, I want to go to any school in the country. And and academically, she has a chance for scholarships, but that's not a guarantee. It depends upon where she wants to go. So we're looking at this process with her and we're saying a couple things. You know, we want you to have the best experience you can have in the best environment that's fit for you. So don't make this decision based on what your peers are necessarily doing. Mm. And we also think that your college investment is four years that could impact the rest of your life, especially financially. Mm-hmm. So do you want to make a decision that is going to heap a ton of debt onto you? And that debt is going to be a controlling factor for what you choose to do for the rest of your life. And so that's kind of been like the big picture thing we've tossed her way. And one thing that we've done with her, I, I'm a Highlands affiliate. It's called Highlands Company. I'd never heard of it before working with somebody. And it's an assessment Um program where you get to, you do a three-hour time test and you find out your learning style, your, what type of environment you work best with. Are you a group person? Are you an introverted person? All these results, like does music need to be a part of your lifetime experience or career? How do you problem solve? It's just, it's an amazing assessment. Is that specifically for students or for anyone? There's a student version that you can take from ninth grade on up, and then there's an adult version. It really was originally designed for career, college mm-hmm. and career placement, and it's expensive. So, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not selling it here. But the result of that um, led to a connection with a database that matches uh, Leah's um, interest and personality type and her assessment results with the potential of careers, and then those careers are linked to uh, where you can get your college training from and what the job prospect is on those careers. So say you don't have the Highlands assessment at all, that's fine. What was what I did with that, I was having a conversation with her the other day, she really wants to be an athletic trainer, like 
she basically just wants to be on the field of any high school or pro football team working with the athletes. <laughs> like if she, if she could play football, she'd play football. So the, the next best thing in her mind is athletic trainer. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's the closest that she can get. And, uh, and, but she also wants to, she says she wants to grow up and go to college and get married and have children and be a stay-at-home mom. So I said to her, well, which, which thing is more important to you than the college you go to, the career you walk away with, or the type of life that you can have for the rest of your life? She's like, I don't know what you're talking about, mom. I just want to, you know, whatever. I'm like, okay, this is what I want moms to take away. I said to her, go do some research to find out how much an athletic trainer would make and then come up with a fictitious budget of what it would cost to uh, run a, a house and home in your 20s, maybe in your 30s on an athletic trainer salary. And, and so uh, the convenience of the Highlands thing was that she was able to go right into the database and pull up an athletic trainer and found out it was like $40,000 a year. So she clicked on some other buttons and figured out that sports medicine makes a whole lot more money. Hmm. And she's been been in uh, sports medicine care because she had she was playing powder puff football and severely sprained her ankle and has been in physical therapy for the upteenth time oh, no. and is asking all of so I told her ask every single person you come in contact with where did you go for your undergrad where did you go for your graduate how do you like your job now is it enough to sustain the lifestyle you want to live hmm. those That's- are questions that we can ask our teens right. Mm-hmm. And I love how you put that in her hands. Yes. So she can make the her own realization instead of just, you know, giving the eye roll and saying, oh, well, mom said I'm not going to make enough or this won't fit the lifestyle yeah. that I want. So she went ahead and did this budget. Um, and and we've done, we've taught, we've been teaching the girls how to do budgeting and uh, a zero balance budget and how to live within your financial means. And so she did it for the athletic trainer. She did it for a physical ther- therapist and she did it for a sports medicine doctor. And we said, factor in uh, something I had pulled out of a financial aid book I read. Um, the average you know, uh, college graduate shouldn't graduate with more than I think it was uh, $32,000 worth of financial aid debt. And that would e- equal $365 payments for 10 years. So I said, put that into your budget, that that's your loan payment. And, and so she did this. So she talked to me a little bit about it. And she's like, maybe I really should think about going, becoming a sports medicine doctor, even though it's more schooling, even though it's going to cost me more money in the long run to become that. If I can become that, I will make more money over my lifetime and therefore be able to do more things that I want to be able to do. And the other day we're driving back from physical therapy and she goes, mom, if I become an athletic trainer, I can't even afford to buy people Christmas gifts. (sighs) And I was like, hallelujah, because I'm not the one telling her what her future is going to look like. Right. She's realizing things on her own. Exactly. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that's the number one thing we need to do as moms and dads of teens is ask them questions that we wish somebody would have asked us when we were their age and not give them the answers. Mm, Which is so hard to do. Right. Because as parents, we want to just tell them what it is because we know, or at least we think we know in our heads, but it doesn't matter until they come to that themselves. Right. Like in, in, in as many ways as we could put them in a situation 
that gives them a sense of this is what would be reality, I think we need to be able to do that. So they begin making choices now that have the a better lasting effect on their future than what would happen if they just kind of follow their dreams, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. quote unquote. Um, well, you know what I love is that really this all comes back to what we talked about in the beginning of communication mm-hmm. and asking questions and then reiterating back to them what we feel like um, they're saying to us. And and as they get older, it comes, you know, it comes more to just asking the questions and mm-hmm. letting them come to those realizations. Um, so what about the mom who's listening right now? And maybe she has a teen or a couple teens and she hasn't been doing all this mm. and she feels a little overwhelmed, a little stuck, and maybe even a little like she's failing. Uh, no. What would in, you say to her? Oh, in Jesus, there's no such thing as, as failing because uh, I believe that God only holds us responsible for what we know and what we do with what we know. So if we did not know that we should be having these conversations, if we did not know that we should have asked that question, we might feel bad about it, but that doesn't, that doesn't change our value before God and that doesn't change our opportunity for today and tomorrow. You know, I, uh, here, here's a non-parenting example. My husband and I bought a house. We were told that there was a home warranty on the house. So should something break, it would be replaced. We have a copy of the home warranty, but we've never read a home warranty before. There, we didn't know $2,000 limit or $2,000 of coverage on a boiler meant that we'd only get a refund check of $2,000 for a $10,000 replacement on a boiler. So you could imagine the, the defeat I felt when the service repair guy for the home warranty company says there's a crack in your boiler it needs to be replaced and you'll get a check from the home warranty company for $1,800 and I'm thinking I thought that the whole thing would be replaced go back and read the fine print and realize oh that's what that meant Mm. well how are you supposed to know that that's what that meant if nobody's ever taught you that that's what that meant Unless you learn through experience. And so I'd say the same exact thing is true for our parenting. We are going to make decisions that we find out later was a bad choice. And we are going to miss opportunities because we didn't even recognize them as opportunities. And I think that the best thing we can do is just lay ourselves before the Lord and say, I'm so sorry. I had no idea. Will you forgive me just to clean the air with him? Receive his forgiveness and say, Lord, give me eyes to see, give me ears to hear, give me a heart that is sensitive to your leading so that I won't miss the next opportunity. And if I do, I'd be quicker to return back to you. Mm-hmm. And, and I think going to our kids in that same posture is huge. I in, had the opportunity to interview Sally Lloyd-Jones recently. Mm. Uh, she wrote the Jesus Storybook Bible. I love it. And what you said kind of reminded me of something that she said in that interview. And I forget exactly what my question was to her, but her response was, what makes parents think that they're the rescuer? Right. And 
you know, and then she pointedly said, you know, not to me, but just to, to parents in general, you are not the rescuer. Mm-hmm. And I found that to be so freeing. Yeah. To yeah. think that we don't have to have it all together, that if we don't do everything perfectly, that our child is not going to make it. And that is just not mm-hmm. how it is. We are not the rescuer. Right. It, years ago, and I, I might have shared this story on previous podcast with you, but I was mentoring a group of uh, four girls, three girls, and they, I just thought I was doing it all right. You know, meeting with them, having coffee with them, talking about everything that I think is important to life with them from a biblical perspective. And they, I mean, they loved me. I knew they loved me deeply. I deeply loved them. And, and lo and behold, the year came to a close and they're on the week and a half before school's out. They're at my back door, knocking on the door, two of the three of them crying to me about a decision that they made. Actually, it was three, three of the four, three of the four crying to me about the decision that they made that got themselves into major trouble. And I was like, what were you thinking? And, and they're like, oh, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. And, and I said, girls, this is God's great rescue because now you have an opportunity to learn a lesson and move forward and not repeat the same foolish decision. Mm-hmm. Deal with the consequences. I'm disappointed in you, but I love you. And, and move forward and make the right choice. Well, a week later, two of those three made another bad decision. And got separated from the school within a couple of days of school being out. And I appreciated the consistency of the school to say, these are the rules and we're going to stand by them. No matter how much it seemed like, really, there's only three days left, <laughs> they stood by it. Right. And those, when those now two girls came to me bawling their eyes out, I had no words. Because I personally felt like I failed as a mentor. Hmm. Totally stunk. And I thought, Lord, if I am this bad as a mentor, what is going to happen when my girls are this age? Forget it. Take me away. Like (laughs) this, it'd be better. It'd be better for me not to be here. I was so discouraged. And later that night I ran into a mom who, who happened to not know anything that was going on. And she started saying, thank you for all that you've done to invest in her daughter. And, and gave me three or four things that had happened in her daughter's life as a result of this of another mentoring group time. I thought, Laura, that's pretty funny. Like, mm-hmm. how could these girls who I put so much time into make this decision, this girl who I didn't even know was being impacted to me make that decision? I don't get it. And the next morning I was sitting with the Lord and I said, I, I, I don't even know. I'm totally clueless. What do, I, what do I know? And he's like, Lisa, I have never asked you to be the insurance policy through your mentoring and mothering for lives where kids have free will. Mm-hmm. They are going to do what they want to do when they want to do it. You you are responsible before me to steward your care of them well. You're accountable to me in what you contribute to them. And the only thing that you can do is receive them with grace and truth. And grace is you know, grace without truth is compromise and truth without grace is condemnation. Mm. And when we're mad as parents, we tend to stand in the truth camp and, you know, lecture and put down and demean our children. And when we're feeling guilty because we think we did something wrong or they're doing what we did when we were their age, then we end up in the grace camp 
and we're not helping shape their character. And so there has to be this balance of grace and truth, which is you screwed up. There's a consequence. I am sorry that this hurts you so much. It hurts me too, even if it doesn't look this way. You know, grace is, I, I love you. I know God's forgiveness is there for you. I am choosing to walk in forgiveness of you. Let's see what needs to happen next that would be the wisest next step for you. And so, like you were saying, that Sally Lloyd-Jones said, we're not meant to rescue our kids, nor can we be their insurance policy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For the women listening Mm -hmm. who, you know, maybe their kids are approaching the teen years or in the teen years. Maybe it's the beginning of 2016 and they want to make a change. Mm. Where can they learn more about your book? about the wisdom that you have in regards to mentoring teenagers? Sure. So uh, moretobe.com, M-O-R-E-T-O-B-E.com is a website uh, devoted to encouraging moms and women in general to experience life transformation for the sake of impacting the next generation. So we're not just about let's make you feel good. It's let's equip you to walk out what God is calling you to walk out in transformation for the sake of your ripple effect on your children or those you're mentoring or or, um, those that God has put you in contact with at work or church or wherever it may be. So I would say that would be a great place to hang out. We have downloadable resources that are free. We have eBooks, we have Bible studies for teen girls. So that would be a great place to go to for encouragement. We have done mentoring training. I wrote an ebook called Impact My Life, Biblical Mentoring Simplified. That's available there. We hope to kick off another mentoring training in middle um, of February, maybe. Um, we're trying to figure out how to work that out this year. And then Meet the New You is available wherever books are sold. It releases December 15th. It's a great launch for the new year. It's a 21-day journey, meaning 21 short chapters that you can take as long as you want. On that, we're going to be doing a book club online uh, in January and again in February uh, for Meet the New You. So I would say for the personal heart work that needs to be done and the encouragement that you need to press on as a mom, get the book. And for uh, resources to use, especially with your teen girls, there's some stuff that you can use with teen boys, tweens. There's some stuff at more to be for tweens. Go there. And then if you're interested in life coaching, I I am available for life coaching as my schedule allows, but I have a team of women who have also been trained as life coaches through More to Be. So if I'm not the right fit, can connect you with one of the other coaches at More to Be and help you in, in probably four sessions at the most, um, kind of get some vision for your role as a mom and equipping you in that way. So that's where you find me. I love it. I love all the resources you have so that people can not just listen right now, but they can go and take action. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's always a super honor and just great fun to connect with you. Well, same here. And I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye. Well, that's all that we have for today's episode of the Inspired to Action podcast. 
Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. I know that there are a million things that you could be doing right now, and I hope that this episode has encouraged you. You know, if you have any questions or suggestions for me, just head over to inspiredtoaction.com and click the contact button to send me an email. I would love to hear from you, and I would love to do whatever I can to get the resources that you need to keep growing as a mom. And if you enjoyed this podcast, it would be awesome if you take a minute to rate it on iTunes. That's going to help more moms to find it and get the encouragement that they need. And as always, you can check out all the show notes for this session at inspiredtoaction.com. And you can also download any of our free ebooks or our free prayer calendars for moms at the blog. Just go to inspiredtoaction.com and click on the resources link. And my name is Kat Lee, and I wish you an incredible day with your family. And remember, you're a mom. You're kind of a big deal. Now go be awesome. It's early in the morning, the house is quiet. But I've set aside this time for you. I bow before the throne of a noble king. And in this place, my heart begins to sing. It's gonna be a good day, a good day filled with His grace, His grace and sweet new mercy.